The New Testament is different from the Old Testament. Almost all Christians know that. Right. <laughs> and they know the demarcation that the Old Testament is about the Jewish religion and Jewish faith, but prophesies about the coming Messiah, and the New Testament is all about Jesus. And the New Testament is basically 27 books in this library, okay? The New Testament Bible has, is a library of books. As we said, the word Bible means books. Right. Okay? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey of faith, or as we set up last time, it is a wrestling match with a your wrestling faith match that with you your must faith. go through. It is yes. not something that you can passively right. do. Instead, it's something that you should be constantly growing and questioning and just making it stronger. Like, you got to work it out. got to work it out. Ask like, questions. Yes. Push the limits. Do all of those things, and we are here to come alongside you to help you um, learn to critically think for yourself so that you know what you believe and why you believe it. Yes. My name is Jesse Mayer. I will be the host, and we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast <laughs> without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Man, I, it's so good to be here, everybody. It just dawned on me. It popped in my head right now as you're saying that. You know what the Salty Pastor is? It's the gym. It's the gym. We are the gym where you go to work out your faith. Your faith gym. Yeah, where people can pump the iron. And we don't Yeah, you, you get out there. You're working out your faith. Yeah, you're saying, man, these are the... We're trying to give you the tools and the equipment to... To grow your face stronger, but you're the one who has to do the work, right? I'm gonna have to make us a merch line with with Salty Pastor Jim apparel. <laughs> we are the Faith Jim, the, faith the Salty Jim. Pastor. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody! It's just I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for our audience. I'm so thankful for you sharing this with your friends. Um, the Salty Pastor has just kept growing and growing and growing in, in its listenership, and we are so excited about that. We uh, are rare because we are one of the few podcasts now that it, we have almost 250 episodes and so we're in that top 10 percent of podcasts that just keep going and that is a testimony to the listeners yes absolutely and as it is thanksgiving this is a great episode to maybe introduce some of yeah. your friends and family that you have over to the salty pastor if it's influenced you and made a and made uh an impact in your life or helped mm -hmm. you grow your faith this is a great time to start introducing and going hey you should listen to this thing it's pretty yeah. amazing and we're so. all talking about the bible you know on yeah. tuesday we talked about how the old testament was formed and there's a lot of criticisms about the bible and you can believe whatever you want about the bible but don't believe falsehoods right because that isn't going to help and factually they're accurate and they were assembled well and established as the standard in 200 years before christ was born and nobody really who's a serious scholar questions that anymore absolutely so we we thoroughly discussed how the old testament was received yes. and how we got it on tuesday and we're actually picking up our conversation because now i want to talk about how did we get the new testament how is it different from how we got the old yeah. testament and what we're doing and so we're actually going to kick this episode off for i think the only time we've ever done this with a video so yeah. you had what you represents kind of the common feeling that most americans sort of believe about the bible okay so we're going to watch this video and then yeah, we it's, will it's joe rogan joe who's rogan. like the number one podcaster in the world yes so <laughs> let's see what joe rogan has to say about the bible do you think someone walked on water? Do you believe in the literal translation? Yeah. Are you an Old Testament guy or a New Testament guy? Mm. Well, the New Testament. No, well, the New Testament was made by Constantine, oh. who was a Roman emperor who wasn't even Christian. Mm. He didn't even believe it. He was. He was. He was. He was. He became a Christian on his deathbed. 
Like, that's when he became a Christian. You understand, motherfucker, what the difference is between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because the New Testament is utter horse It's created by a bishop and a fucking emperor. That's a fact. That's like established religious fact. <laughs> like, everyone knows where it came from. And not only that, it was written hundreds of years after the death of Jesus. Okay. That was uh, <laughs> Salty. a very different level of video than we usually have on the podcast. Well, but I but. think most people generally, you know, if you were sitting around, if you're out on a work site or you're, you know, in the office or you're doing something and you had a bunch of guys standing around and gals standing around, maybe in a, in a you know, big conference room in a company and it just came up, that would be the probably consensus opinion. Right. People that would share that at in that he's encapsulating that. Yeah, he's he's a very, uh, a snapshot of the yeah. typical American beliefs about and that's what, the And Bible. it's very popular, and I thought I would share it. The problem is, is that if I were to quote him, I would say it's just a bunch of horse. 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 Yes. <laughs> you would need a lot more expletives in order to. Uh, yeah, because it is. It's 100% baloney. It's malarkey. What he said is not factually accurate. It's not factually true. It's not factual at all. It is the encompassed stupidity of a public education right there. Mm. That you take basic facts that float around on the internet and stream them together and say, I'm an intellectual person. No, you're not. You're not a serious person. And as a matter of fact, I think that Joe Rogan knows that he was an absolute horse's rear end in what he said because you can't find that clip on the internet anymore. He's removed it and scrubbed it. He took it off. He took it off because everybody pointed out is like okay you're yelling and screaming like a raving lunatic about something you don't know anything about mm. okay so you're basically telling everybody i am stupid <laughs> tattooed on your forehead look the new testament is different from the old testament almost all christians know that right and they know the demarcation that the Old Testament is about the Jewish religion and Jewish faith, but prophesies about the coming Messiah. And the New Testament is all about Jesus. And the New Testament is basically 27 books in this library. Okay, the New Testament Bible has, is a library of books. As we said, the word Bible means books. Right. Okay, so there are four gospels or biography fees, excuse me, biographies on the life of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then there is one book of history, which is called Acts According to the Apostles. And then there are 22 letters called epistles. Now, some people will debate the very, like maybe there's 21 epistles. And then the last one, the apocalypse, which is a prophetic revelation. Right. But, but also it was a vision that, John wrote down as a, to, letter. <laughs> as a letter to be distributed. So it's kind of splitting hairs over yes. that one. Um, and so it's very important to understand is now he says in that video that it was created by a bishop. All right. And he's probably thinking Athanasius and Constantine at the Council of Nicaea in 324 AD. Right. Okay. But this is completely false. And how do we know that? Well, let's read what the Bible in the New Testament actually says about itself. Um, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, uh, Paul is writing, and he says, After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. So what does he say about the letter that he wrote to Colossians? We're going to pass them around and everybody shares them. Bingo. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27. He says, Thessalonians, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. So he's not just saying all the brothers and sisters who live in Thessalonica. He's also saying everybody. Everybody. Yeah, I want you to. So, what, so he's saying, I'm sending you this letter. So their first job was to do what? Okay, we're going to have to copy this thing down. And then we're going to have to take it and have it read. And what a lot of people don't realize, if the Roman Empire didn't exist at this time, this probably would have not traveled nearly as well but because the roman empire was so big and they had the roman roads and they had roman control you could travel anywhere in the roman empire just like you can get in your car and drive from here to florida without any problem mm. stop get gas and come back well that didn't you know most of the world has not been like that right you know what i'm saying yes you you go very far very little different. if you look differently then you'll be mugged or robbed or killed or mm. kidnapped or, or whatever you know held for ransom so uh, this really made it possible. And so they were going to say, we're going to take this letter and we're going to make sure it's read to all of what? Brothers and sisters. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14 says, Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed, yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. So what does that mean? He's saying this letter is written as the standard for what it means to be a follower of Christ. Right. And don't, don't listen to anybody else. Shun them, basically, is what he's saying. Don't treat them as an unbeliever, but don't treat them as a person who's in true Christianity. Okay. Now, Timothy is a huge factor in how the Bible was constructed early on, the New Testament, excuse me. And this is what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, Paul says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Now, I believe this has to do the truth of what was given to him, his spiritual gift through the laying on of hands, his commission from Paul, all the discipleship. But also, he was the person who carried all of the letters and scrolls of Paul. So he goes on to say, turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. So he says, you need to guard not only the discipleship that I've given you, the spiritual gift that I've given you, but the scriptures. Mm. And he said, he says earlier, commit yourself to studying the letters or the scriptures. In 2 Timothy, the very last letter that Paul is considered to have ever written, chapter 4, verse 13, it says, when you come... Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Okay, when I read that, what does that give you a sense? So Paul writes a letter to Timothy, and then he says, now when you come see me, bring the cloak I left with Carpus at Troas. Means it wasn't something that was just created for, uh, I guess, for... It wasn't just something that was written to be a religious text. It it's was like personal. a letter to a friend. Yeah. yeah, it was like, "Hey, I left my shoes at your place. Will you bring them with <laughs> yeah. you?" When oh, you by come? the way, can you bring those too? Yeah, he goes, and then he says, "And bring my scrolls, especially the parchments." This is very important because we understand from that time that there were three ways of writing. You know, uh, the two predominant ways of writing were uh, parchments, right? Mm -hmm. And there was papyrus and parchment was cured skins, usually of sheep, right? Sometimes goats on which it was specially cured so that it would always stay soft and you would ride on it and then you would roll it up. Okay. Okay. 
papyra was different. It was made from the papyromyosilium plant in the river, uh, the Nile River Valley. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a reed plant, and there's a cellulose inside of it. So you would strip off the outer shell of this stuff, and it came out in these long strands. And what you would do is you'd lay them next to each other, overlap them a little bit, and then you would do it at a 90 degree angle all the way down. Then you would set stones on it, right? And you would dry it under compression. And that made basically a square, right? Piece of paper that you could right. write on. And in dry climates, they did very, very well. In humid climates, they would get moldy and the mold right. would eat them. So in a dry climate, they, they could, could last for centuries. Yeah. yeah. And then you could roll them up, you know, so they, they remain pliable. but. Uh, parchments, though, were probably the predominant way. And they, but, I would assume they last longer, right? Because yeah. they're, they're this... They can last a lot longer. So things yep. that were especially important, you probably didn't want to write mm -hmm. on papyrus. You would want to keep on something that would... But see, that last. verse right there contradicts everything that Joe Rogan is saying in the common belief today. He's saying these scrolls were written, and we actually have him referencing the fact that they were written. Okay, Now, he's, he's not saying, I call them scripture yet, but he's saying, here is the canon, the library of books. They, they were not written 300 years after Christ was born. They were written right here in the people who knew Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Or the lifetime of the people who knew, who Jesus. knew Jesus. Yeah. So, and over 500 different people could read these letters and these texts, right? And say, that's wrong. Right. Or that's right. Okay. Then look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 23. The author says, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. So Timothy is being referenced by the writer of Hebrews. And he says, if he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. So Timothy is traveling around to the churches. That's why that verse is important. What's he carrying? He's carrying all the scrolls. He's carrying the letter from the Thessalonians that Paul said, make sure this letter is what? Distributed. Distributed. And then, um, you have to realize in first Peter chapter five, verse 12, it says with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother. Now this is Peter writing. I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon chosen together with you sends you her greetings. So, and so does my son, Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Two points of this. In other words, he says, greet one another with a kiss. This is why in Europe today, when you walk up, they greet you and kiss you on one side or both sides of your face. Right. Okay. That's where this comes from. Okay. Okay. That tradition for thousands of years, it's been that way. But he says, I want you to know my son, Mark. Well, who is Mark? Well, it's John Mark. And John Mark was involved in the writing of these New Testament documents. He wrote the gospel according to Mark and he traveled with Paul, right? And as they went to cities, Paul, Barnabas and Barnabas traveled with Silas and Mark was, I believe, Barnabas's cousin, you know? Okay. And so it's just interesting how they all travel. And who else traveled in this group was Luke. Okay, so they all traveled together. And what happened is they would travel and Mark would sit down, John Mark would sit down and he would write out a copy of his gospel, right? And then when they planted a church, they would leave that gospel, the testimony of Jesus, and then they would leave. 
Okay, so now you have a copy left there and you have the same guy writing the copy over and over and over again. And what's odd is you, we have all these different fragments. Uh, Pastor Harv talked about them thousands and thousands and all these fragments of copies are the same. So he, he was, you know, a Xerox machine. Right. Right. And this, the Bible says this, this is being right here in real time. It's referencing that it was writing itself, right? here. Peter then says this, notice what he says in second Peter. He goes, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother, Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. And so what Peter was saying is all these letters that Paul wrote are divinely inspired by God. Okay. The wisdom of God exists in them. He goes on to say, he writes in a way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do with the other scriptures. So notice how he uses the word scripture, holy scripture, the canon standard, it's genuine. And he equates the letters of Paul with what? The scriptures. The scriptures. So the notion that the scriptures were created 300 years after Christ was born is absolute unequivocal horse manure. Unbelievably true. Factual evidence right here, even in the documents themselves. And the key person in all this was Timothy, right? As we read earlier, the apostles are saying, you know, Peter, and they're saying like, what? Everything that Paul wrote is what? Scripture. Scripture. Okay. And he wrote 20, 21 of these letters somewhere in that regard. And then the people that traveled with Paul, John Mark wrote what? The gospel according, gospel to, Mark. according to Mark. Okay. And then what is the other big gospel? The longest one that's chronologically, it's the gospel according to Luke. Mm -hmm. And who was Luke? Paul's physician <laughs> and traveled with him. And so that's, what's really important is Luke wrote the gospel according to Luke. And then he wrote the book of Acts according to the apostles. Okay. So he wrote a gospel, and then he wrote how the church started. That It covers a histor historical period of about 30 years after the ascension of Christ into heaven. Right. So what we see here is these guys are all writing these things all at the same time, and they're being collected in a corpus or a library of saying these are the general... These are the genuine accounts okay. and these things can be tested in every church out there. So he was critical in assembling these. He was a critical in, uh, keeping them in a collection. He was critical in seeing that they were reproduced. What's interesting is that Timothy never wrote. He just, even cause I was going to say, it's interesting that it seems like first and second Peter written by Peter, yep. you know, these books, but the ones that have Timothy's name in it are not by him, but instead they are for him. Yeah. Right. And he kept writing through copying and made sure that it happened and collecting and distributing. And I think that basically what was happening is this second generation of leaders in the early church that wrote, selected and copied the earliest manuscripts of the Bible. And they kept them going. And what they wanted is they wanted that church in Thessalonica, that they wanted it to have a complete. So as soon as uh, Luke wrote his gospel, guess what they did? Copied it. They copied it and sent it to all the churches. 
You know, that's what they did. Because they were a small group of people. They're trying to encourage each other. They're hungry for news, right? right. They're hungry for what's going on and the truth. So, so early on, we see that the Bible was written, and these letters were established, these scrolls on, on uh, parchment, very early on. And then if you zoom forward to 130 AD, this, in other words, Arrhenius was an early church father who lived in the second century. Okay. And he wrote, and we have some of the stuff that he wrote, and he's quoted in one of his books, chapter three, verse one. Uh, he says, we have known the method of our salvation by no other means than those by whom the gospel came to us. So he's saying we have the method of salvation that came to us through these people, right? Which gospel they truly preached, but afterward, by the will of God, they delivered it to us in the scriptures to be for the future, the foundation and pillar of our faith. So here we have in 130 AD, right? John wrote the book of Revelation in around 94 AD. Mm -hmm. So you're talking probably 40 years after that. He says, the apostles preached the gospel and then it was written down in scriptures and this is the foundation of our faith. Right. So the New Testament was constructed well before this council of Nicaea that everyone yeah, that I, doesn't understand yeah, the history basic history likes to yeah use. Okay. in in origin another early church father he was between 185 and probably 250 he said no man ought for the confirmation of doctrines use books which are not canonized scriptures okay he's saying you cannot develop any doctrine apart from the scriptures that have been canonized. In other words, the genuine 27 books that we believe are genuine and a part of the New Testament, holy scriptures, okay. the Bible. In um, Clement of Alexandria said in 150 to 213 is when he lived, he said, they that are ready to spend their time in the best things will not give over seeking for truth until they have found the demonstration from the scriptures themselves. He wrote that in Stromata. So that's and, another challenge of don't, don't just believe what anyone tells you. You correct. instead need to compare it to scriptures. Read the scriptures. Okay. You know, uh, Cyprian of Carthage wrote from 200 to about 260 AD. He goes, now remember the council of Nicaea is in 324 AD. So we've had already one, two, three, this yeah. is our fourth person that's basically yeah. like, hey, make sure you're looking at the scriptures yeah. that were set. That, that, that are existing. hundred years ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he says, uh, so uh, Cyprian of, of Carthage, he says, whence comes this tradition? Does it descend from the Lord's authority or from the commands and epistles of the apostles? For those things are to be done, which are there written. If it be commanded in the gospels or the epistles and the acts of the apostles, then let this holy tradition be observed. So, so what is he saying? He's basically saying if it, I mean, what we consider the New Testament, he's basically saying if it's not the gospels, the epistles, or the acts of the apostles, don't do it. Exactly. So he's basically already saying these are what we consider scriptures are these particular letters and books. Yes. And Isn't that interesting? In 200 to 250 yeah. is what you had said? Yeah. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Okay. So, and then of course, uh, he wrote that in his uh, Popamium or Pompamian, however you want to say it. Then the most famous, this is the bishop that uh, uh, Joe Rogan was referencing. His name is Athanasius. He is a giant of the faith, a scholar, and, and 
he he argued against what is known as the Arian heresy, and the Arian heresy basically said Jesus wasn't fully God and fully human at the same okay. time. And Athanasius said, yes, he was, and he won, and that was written in the Nicene Creed. Listen to what he says. Uh, he, he wrote extensively, but he says this. The Holy Scriptures, given by the inspiration of God, are of themselves sufficient towards the discovery of truth. So he already knew what they were. They didn't make them up. Right. He already knew what they were. Um, after speaking of the books of the Old and New Testament, he writes, these are fountains of salvation, that they who thirst may be satisfied with the living words they contain. In these alone is proclaimed the doctrine of godliness. Let no man add to these, neither let him take aught from these. So you can't add or subtract from them. They were already in existence. And then he actually excuse me, goes on further. And you know what he does is he lists what these books are. He says, again, it is not tedious to speak of the books of the New Testament. These are the four gospels, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Afterwards, the acts of the apostles and the epistles, seven vis-a-vis of James one, of Peter two, of John three. So what is he saying? Well, you have the book of James, which is one. He says, Peter, there's two, first and second Peter. And then John, there's first, second, and third John, right? And then after these, one of Jude. And then he goes, in addition, there are 14 epistles of Paul written in this order. First to the Romans, then to the Corinthians, two, and then to the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. After these, to the Thessalonians, and then to the Hebrews, and again, two to Timothy, one to Titus, and lastly to Philemon. And besides, he says, he says, we also have the revelation of John. So he basically lays out, these are the books. Yeah. Again, before yeah. this council of. Yeah. So, well, he argued for this position at the council of Nicaea. And the reason why Joe Rogan says what he says is because there were a couple of scholars in the late 1800s who basically tried to argue that the count, that Christianity is a fraud. And the person who picked this up and ran with it and made it popular was uh, the guy who wrote the fiction novels, The Da Vinci Code, and then Tom Hanks eventually made a movie out of it, The Da Vinci Code. And they were trying to say that it's all a fraud, it's all ridiculous, and it turns out to be bogus history, and it was a lie um, from beginning. And because every serious scholar, there, there's a scholar at Duke University who's kind of famous. His name is Bart Ehrman, and he is a critic. He's an atheist. He hates evangelical Christians, but he's also one of the, f- you know, forerunners and experts on uh, first century literature. Okay. And, and he says this over and over, and he's even written books about this. He goes, look. I used to believe in God. I don't anymore. I used to be a Christian. I'm not anymore. He says, but if you're going to say that Jesus didn't exist, you're an idiot. He says it, it, he absolutely does. And if these books were written at this time, I don't believe what's in them and he tries to shred them, but, but it's interesting how he concedes all of this stuff. His scientific mind is able to say these, these did occur and these people did exist. And then he's arguing some other stuff, but he's at least admitting to himself. Hey, I'm not, they're all authentic, right? He says they're all authentic. You may not believe what's in them, but they are authentic. In other words, who wrote them? The person who wrote them is who wrote them, right? right? And the person, they were written at this time. And so it's very important to understand that they are authentic. All 27 books that are in the New Testament. And they, these were brought together in the New Testament by Paul and Timothy 
put them together, and then early church fathers and you know, 130 AD, 150 AD, 200 AD, 250 AD, the list just goes down. They already knew what the books of the New Testament were, were, and they were telling people, please quit making up stuff, (laughs) stick with the scriptures. Right. Okay. And so the biggest criticism now is, okay, I concede the point that they were authentic back then, and they knew what they were back then, but guess what? They've been uh, copied and copied and copied and then translated and translated, translated and then copied, 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 copied. And George Carlin, a comedian and another comedian, they made these points a lot and got lots of laughs out of people. And their point is simple is that because it's been copied, there's mistakes and frauds. It's impossible to do that. Uh, because it's been translated. Once you translate from one language to another, then it's been mistranslated over and over again. And so there are three very important considerations in this criticism they bring against the Bible. And the first one is this. If there was a single original manuscript, it could be changed or corrupted, right? If you had Mm -hmm. just one and we only have one, like the Constitution, if you go to uh, Washington, D.C. and you go to the National Archives, you can see one of the original copies of the Declaration of Independence. But they have multiples, right? Right. But if there's only one, someone could sneak in there and change it. You know, did you ever see National Treasure yeah. with uh, Nicolas Cage? You can steal yeah. it real easy, right? Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, according to, the movie. <laughs> according to the movie. You know, and see all the secret Freemason stuff yes. written on the back from the, the spectacles of uh, <laughs> Benjamin Franklin. Um, you could corrupt it, okay? But this is what's really important to understand, is that everybody today loves facts and science, Okay, and I did a series called Faith and Science. Right. And in the whole premise of it is that if it wasn't for Christianity, there would be no science. And this is historically accurate. And so the scientific method is pretty basic, right? And that is you provide what? A hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is you figure out a test to test whether it's true or not. Okay. And then you evaluate the results and then you modify the hypothesis. And you keep conducting experiments until what? The experiment either proves false. We're true. It's a hypothesis. Correct. That's a basic scientific method. This is the basis for, in many ways, the scientific revolution in Western civilization. It's the basis of the industrial revolution. It's the it's the basis of the political revolution that we had to these uh, representative republics and democracies. Yes. And so we, it's a revolution in healthcare. You can go back over and over and over again and look at all this stuff and see how this simple scientific method started the thinking that birthed all these revolutions. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, it all came from Francois Bacon, who wh- he came up with this for science because he was a mathematician. And why was he a mathematician? Because he was a scholar and a linguist who read the scriptures. And he wanted to <laughs> be able to yeah. look at these things. And yeah. see, that's what's so important. And this is what's so interesting is, the first consideration is, is that what happens when you have thousands and thousands and thousands of copies and they all match? Then it's probably accurately copied. Exactly. And you can't corrupt them. Yeah. Like if one gets changed, then you can go look at the other ones and say, well, this one doesn't match the 999 other ones. Yeah. And you know what that is? The scientific method. You see, in the scientific method, basically, is you have an experiment and it produces the same result over and over again. And before we will adopt something, a scientific fact, you know what happens is someone says, I've discovered blah, blah, blah. And then everybody goes, okay, let's see your research. And then what they, what has to happen? is another group of people that aren't affiliated with them in any way, shape, or form, doesn't get any money from them or anything else. They're completely separate, right? They say, we were going to reproduce 
your experiment and see if it does that. And if, it, if they reproduce it exactly like the person said in their research and it gets the same result, they go, hmm, okay. something to this. Yes. You know, it's just like when Einstein said the theory of relativity, people are like, well, okay, so what? Well, then every mathematician, people who even hated his guts, right? They didn't like him. They take his math and they go through it all and they go, doggone it, he's right. <laughs> you know? See, they're reproducing the exact right. same mathematical result from the same mathematical equation over and over and over again. So everybody says, wow, this is a new discovery. And then they adopt it into the corpus, the library, the canon of scientific knowledge. Mm -hmm. So by the fact that we have thousands and thousands of copies is not a detriment, but it's actually what proof, proof that it's true. Yes. It's the exact opposite of what these critics are saying. How can an experiment produce the same results by following the exact same construct of the experiment in the same manner, the science of copy making was extremely well developed. Why? Why was it? Because it was so expensive. As we read earlier, Paul said, bring my parchments, mm -hmm. right? Okay, just to give you an idea, um, some references to a piece of parchment in the first century cost 40 denarii, okay? okay? So what does that mean? Well, a denarius was one full day's wage. Okay. And so he was saying it was 40 days of a man's wages. So in today's dollars, that's somewhere around five to six grand. For a sh what we would consider yes. a sheet of paper, but back then was yeah. a, a piece now, of Now, it parchment. wasn't eight and a half by 11. Right. They tended to be about not quite three feet, okay. about 34 inches. So they were about that big. And then they would be about that. So that's why you would kind of roll them up. So it's like four pieces of paper. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good four or five pieces of paper if you were to lay them all out. And that's why when you read these early manuscripts, they wrote really small, mm -hmm. you know, and they didn't put any spaces between the letters and the lines and stuff like that. But they also, because it was so expensive. Right. I mean, five grand for a parchment. And he says to Timothy, bring the scrolls. So you knew there were multiple. Right. So it was a massive amount of wealth mm -hmm. and it was so important many people don't know this but kings and emperors like the emperor some of the emperors in rome would control the making of parchments and papyrus they they would say look this is so valuable i'm maintaining control over it just okay. like solomon maintained control over the mining of of precious gems in africa right he wanted all the cheddar from it yes so the issue of translation now to move on was resolved during the Byzantine uh, period, the Byzantine Empire fell in 1250 AD. And the largest and most well-preserved parchments and papyrus were uh, libraries of scrolls of the New Testament were in Constantinople during the Byzantine Empire. Okay. Okay. They were collected there. And what happened is in the 11th century, hundred, about 100, 150 years before the Byzantine Empire fell, is uh is when the decline began and during that period of time scholars right and priests started to take these libraries and they would take them because they're so expensive and valuable and then they immigrated west and a lot of them ended up in florence and the reason okay. why they ended up in florence italy is because of the medici family and the medici family was extremely wealthy but they were benefactors of Christian antiquities and stuff like that. So if you were a scholar and you had a, uh, 
you know, a wagon full of these things, you could show up and they would they would Basically put you take up. Care of you for yeah, it would take care of you. You know, they'd say, well, we'll take ownership of all that. We'll put you up in a monastery and feed you and we'll be your benefactor and all that kind of stuff since you brought this stuff. So it was kind of a reward system. Right. So it would bring into them, they'd pay for it. And they had really deep pockets, the Medici's yes. did. And if you go to Vienna if you, or Venice, if you ever get there, and then travel over to Florence, we spent a lot of time in Florence, you, you see how much money the Medici's had. It was pretty impressive, <laughs> you know, just everything that they did. But what, once that happened is what people don't realize is that the, the uh, blossoming of Western civilization was the Renaissance, right? Yes. Michelangelo, and then all, all the of these art great yes. and all these great things that happened in the 1400s. Which correlates to when a lot of these... This migration, migration of, of all of things. this scripture and all of this knowledge came from the mm. East into the West. And it started, you know, it fell, it, it, you know, Byzantine Empire ended in 1250. Right. And Constantinople was entered to and sacked. But most of that stuff had been taken out and found a home in Western civilization, right? In France and Italy and those places. And what ended up happening is within a hundred years after that, 150 years, the Renaissance explodes. Mm. So it's really quite remarkable. So the bottom line is this, the way the Bible was constructed was it was constructed in the first century. It was constructed by the apostles and by Paul. And it was recognized as a corpus, meaning a library of 27 books right off the bat. There was never any question. Every church knew exactly what books were in it and what weren't. Mm -hmm. And so the notion that it was uh, assembled at the Council of Nicaea by Emperor Constantine is the biggest boatload of malarkey. And if you believe <laughs> that, please call the salty pastor or send us a note because I have some swamp land in Arizona I'd like to sell you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Pastor, for giving us such a thorough history on how we received this thing that we now follow today. And that's just going to further help us understand why it's important and why we should believe it because of its authenticity yes. and its truthfulness. And I'm excited to see what you talk about on Sunday as we wrap up this yes. series on the Bible. I think this has been very enlightening for a lot of people because it's like we kind of take the Bible for granted, I think, mm -hmm. a lot. And so understanding why, why it is what it is and how it got to be where it is and yeah. how true it is mm -hmm. gives you a lot of power in your faith wrestling yes. tournament. So um, we really appreciate you and sharing all these things with us. And we're excited to see you wrap this whole thing up on Sunday. Uh, hopefully you guys will all be joining us here at Foothills Christian Church on Sunday to hear that. So thank you guys mm -hmm. so much for joining us and we'll see you on Sunday. Blessings.